So it's great that we're gathering together again, getting back into our routine of gathering in localities and hanging out together and being the church together. So we started a series already called Watch Your Language. Watch Your Language. It's not about giving up swearing, although that might be a good thing to do. It's about thinking a little bit more carefully about the sort of standard phrases that we use. If you've hung around Christians a long time, you might hear sort of some standard phrases. And we want to think about them and sort of ask ourselves the question, are these really um, declaring the truth of God's word and how we relate to God and how we relate to each other? Or, or are they not really, uh, are they reinforcing some kind of wrong understanding? So that's what we're thinking about in this series. And Cade, our senior local leader, spoke last week um, and he talked about that question that we often ask as Christians. God, what is your will for my life? Sounds like a great question. But it doesn't really convey the truth that God has already revealed to us in his word what his will is for each one of us. And that is that we are called to follow Christ, to be a disciple and to disciple others. So perhaps if we want to reinforce that truth better, we should rephrase the question to be, God, I know you want me to be your disciple. I know you want me to disciple others. What is the context for me in doing your will? The phrase that I've been given to talk on today is the phrase, welcome to church. Welcome to church. It sounds like it conveys a pretty good sentiment. It might be what the worship leader says when they get up or... When someone walks in the door, someone might greet you with those words. And certainly they convey the right sentiment. What we want to say is, we're happy that you've joined us today. We hope you feel at home in our gathering. But the problem with the phrase is that little word too. That little word too. I work in a legal field and I know only too well that one change in word, one change in even a little word, can affect an entire legal outcome. And so um, when we look at that phrase, welcome to church, what is that to implying? Welcome to this place. It's like we're saying welcome to a building. Church is a building. Or it might be conveying the idea welcome to this event. Church is an event that has some various programs attached. There might be someone get up, do music, someone will say something, and there might be a children's program. And the problem with that, um, the idea that church is an event, is that, is that it means that at the end of whatever's happening, then church is finished. But we want to understand what church is in the New Testament. And many of you will have heard this before, but the Greek word for church is ecclesia. That's what the word that's used in the New Testament for church, ecclesia. And it means the called out ones, or maybe even more accurately, the called out together ones. And so it shows that church is not an event, church is not a building, church is people. Now I've been um, involved with church for around 35 years and I don't really have a problem with seeing the church as a building because for most of that time I've been in independent or Pentecostal churches which typically don't own a building so mostly when you go and gather I think maybe for one year I was attending or hanging out with a group of people who um, owned their own building so I don't really have a problem or a misunderstanding thinking church is a building but I can slip into that thinking that church is an event 
And so we want to think about how we can change our language to reinforce the truth that church is ecclesia, church is people. We can think about phrases like just saying welcome church or welcome to our gathering today or something like that and that could be helpful. But I think we need to do more than just change our language. We don't want to just make this superficial change and, you know, point and laugh at the worship leader every time they slip into the wrong phrase. We actually want to change our hearts about what church is and that will have the effect of changing the whole way we behave. And so I want us to get a bit of a vision of God's picture of church today. And I had this really cool experience yesterday. So my son Daniel, uh, for his business, bought a VR headset thing. I know Andrew knows all about VR. Finally, I understand what Andrew's been telling me about all this time. It's so cool. So Daniel let me have a go and I put on the VR headset and it creates this amazing world. And he put on the game that he bought and suddenly my arms are waving about wildly doing crazy things. If you want to see me looking silly, there's a picture of me on Facebook. And, and the reason it looks weird is because I was responding not to the world around me. I was responding to this virtual reality world. And my actions and reactions were in response to what I was seeing here instead of what was actually physically around me. And I got this picture that maybe God's word can be like a virtual reality for us, except I'm going to give it a new name. Daniel is going to cringe, but he's going to roll his eyes. I reckon we should call it GR, GR, God reality. And so, see, she's already cringing over here. <laughs> I'm going to make it into a meme. Isn't that how everyone communicates these days? Can make a meme, GR, Christians, you know. But, but as we get into God's word today, I want to encourage you to see things from God's reality. And my prayer is it will transform the way you respond because you won't be responding anymore to the little things around us here, but we're responding to the world that God says is the reality. And I hope that I'll be able to impact you and inspire you somehow to pray, to pray for the ecclesia, pray that we would become the people that God says we are, that you would invest in ecclesia, that you would invest in God's people and that you would persevere, persevere in this ecclesia. So I want us to look at Ephesians where it seems Paul talks about this church thing more than any other place. I want to start in Ephesians chapter 1. But I'm just first going to go through some of these well-known truths that we've probably heard a lot. If you can follow on in Ephesians 1, that would be great. But I want you to see the, the use of the plural in those phrases. There's us and the we. So starting from verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. He made known to us the mystery of his will. In him, we were chosen. And here's the kicker, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Do we really get that reality of who we are? There's this corporate element 
that happens. And the purpose of it all is that we would be for the praise of his glory. That when people look at us and interact with us, they would praise God's glory. That is his church. That we would live together. That we'd be this blessed community, chosen, we're not here by accident, having the lavish grace of God poured out upon us, that we would live for the praise of his glory. Not something that we do alone or as disconnected Christians, but something as we, that we do together as the ecclesia. This is more than family. We talk about family at a lot at Divergent Church and I really appreciate and I've loved that sense of family that has brought me. But families can live together and enjoy living together without living for the praise of God's glory. This is an additional dimension that God is wanting us to look to today. And how can we get it? It seems at times a world away. And that's why the first step is to pray. And there's two really key prayers in the book of Ephesians that I think we're meant to pray over each other, over our life comms, over the church as a whole on a regular basis. I want to encourage you to save one of these prayers somewhere where you're going to see it regularly, on your phone or somewhere in the kitchen, and pray several times this prayer during the week that we might become who God's called us to be. From verse 15, the first prayer, Paul says, For this reason... I have not stopped giving thanks for you. And I keep asking, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. To get this God view of reality, we need to pray. We need to pray for our eyes to be opened and our hearts to be enlightened. And we need to pray that for one another, that we would understand who it is we are, who it is God's calling us to be. And I want you to notice something else here in this prayer. Where does it say our inheritance is found? doesn't say that our inheritance here is in our parents' wealth. Our inheritance isn't in the hope of our career progression. Our inheritance isn't in our retirement plan. It says here we have a glorious inheritance in God's holy people. I want us to start this year as Divergent Church thinking about the people around us as our treasure. They are our treasure and the people who are not yet fellowshipping, who who don't know Christ yet but are called to be with us, I want you to see them as treasure. And I want to invite you to put your heart where your treasure truly is, in this people, in the ecclesia, the glorious inheritance in in this holy people. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be and that's where your investment will be. I want to invite you to make an investment this year in God's holy people. How would you do that? Well, there's time and energy and commitment required to make the investment in people. We have to make spaces where we can be real with one another and accountable to one another. 
It's wonderful to meet together here as a starting point on a Sunday. But I believe that we need to, to find more than that to truly be the ecclesia, truly be connected to one another. And Lifecom is the next great place to start. You know, when I first started hanging out um, with Divergent Church and I really got a, a, a real excitement about the vision of Divergent Church, probably about four and a half years ago, um, I decided that's it, I'm going to make a commitment to go to Lifecom. And that was on a Wednesday night, that was at the house of Caden Rach, they're our senior local leaders, and they were planning a church out in Queanbeyan. So I decided, right, I'm going to go there. I don't, said to my family, I don't care what you are doing, but this is where I'm going to go on a Wednesday night. And I turned up there pretty much every Wednesday night for quite a period of time. And for quite a while, I was the only one who turned up. And for a little while, maybe a couple of months, was another lady who turned up, also about my age, also called Cathy, coincidentally. And we hung out there at Kate and Rachel's house. And they really blessed us and really encouraged us, welcomed us. You know, I was better as a result of hanging out with Cade that year because, you know, he's always sharing his faith with others. I think I had so many more opportunities to share my faith at work that year I was hanging out with Cade because hanging out together makes us better. Anyway, I was reflecting on this time uh, as I was preparing for this and I was thinking, wow, Cade and Rachel were pretty amazing. You know, they're a young couple and they probably went out to Queenby and thinking, oh yeah, we're going to plan a church of young people. And they end up with a Wednesday night old ladies group, you know. Of course, they would never say that. They are so beautiful. But they, it didn't matter who turned up. They were invested. They were investing in people, whoever turned up. They were committed. Their time was committed on that time to invest in people. You know, their little son, um, Tom, isn't quite as tactful. He called me Nana the other week. <laughs> That's all good. So, you know, I want to invite you, find some rhythms in your life that you can repeat over and over. We need life rhythms of commitment to one another. You know, um, because we live in this busy, busy culture, unless you've got some kind of rhythm where you can say, yep, that's what I do on Wednesday night, or whatever night it is, Tuesday night, what if it's a daytime group, that's what I do, I go to Lifecom, I hang out with the Ecclesia, I invest in those people. And, you know, not forgetting investing in the people who are not yet part of the Ecclesia, but who are called. We need to make investments in those relationships. You might say, well, investment. The number crunches um, amongst you might be going, well, what's the return on this investment? In the natural world, you don't make an investment without having some idea of what the return on your investment's going to be. Well, I think Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, gives a few glimpses to inspire us as to what the return on this investment in the Ecclesia is going to be. If you look a bit further down in chapter 1, in verse 22, it says, God placed all things under his, Christ's feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So our return is that we are investing into a body who will come to display the fullness of Christ. That's pretty amazing. Imagine that we get to this state where we're interacting together in such a way that when people come and interact with us, they experience Jesus in his fullness. 
That's an amazing return on this investment. This is a body, once again, not disconnected parts, individuals like individualistic Western people who like to think everything in their heads and, you know, there's a stomach over there somewhere gurgling away and a mouth shooting up at the front, completely disconnected to the brain, which is somewhere else. No, the body works together and learns to be interdependent. And when we do that, when we get that, we get to display the fullness of Christ to others. What an incredible return on that investment. In chapter 2, in verse 21, it says, In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Here's the second return on the investment, the privilege of forming this spiritual temple where God dwells. Imagine that return, the presence of God dwelling in our midst. And here's the best bit. In chapter 3, verse 10, his intent was now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ. We're investing in a people who have a cosmic purpose, little people who look insignificant but actually make this enormous difference to the outcome of all eternity. We're investing in becoming a heavenly orchestra so that when our lives play together as they're meant, they declare this beautiful music that makes demons tremble and angels rejoice. What a great, great return on the investment. If we want to see that become a reality, there's got to be perseverance on our part. There's got to be perseverance. I don't know about you, I love those great um, stories, films or stories where there's this cosmic battle between good and evil and you've got your little hero and he's got to endure through all sorts of trials and difficulties and obstacles in order to feel his cosmic destiny. I've got, I love Frodo, I'm a Lord of the Rings fanatic and I love Frodo and you see all those trials and difficulties and you, you just want to yell at him, come on, just keep going and Sam's just going, come on Frodo and the, that really cringy line where, where, where Sam says, Mr Frodo, Mr Frodo, I can't carry the ring but I can carry you and off they go up to Mount Doom. And I think one of the reasons we love those stories, maybe not everyone, a lot of us love those stories, is because that's us. We're little players in a cosmic destiny that God has for us, not as individuals, but corporately as the ecclesia. We're a people making a cosmic difference. I want to encourage you as you, as you embark on another year of being the, the ecclesia, I want to encourage you to persevere when you encounter people who are not kind of playing the same tune and there's a bit of a, um, a clash happening. When you encounter people who've got different personality from you and it's a bit hard to keep going and keep working together, I want to encourage you to persevere. 
you know, if you're going to play in an orchestra, if you're going to play an instrument really well, any musician here will tell you you've got to practice. And if you're going to play together with a band or with another group, you're going to have to practice together. I want to encourage you to invest in becoming that heavenly orchestra together. But how can we, with all our weaknesses and failings, become this treasure to one another? this dwelling of the Almighty and this instrument of God's glory. It sounds like it's a hopeless thing to ask. It's not, but a change in language is not going to be enough. We're going to have to fall on our knees before God and ask him to make us all that he's declared us to be. And this is where the second prayer of Paul comes in, in Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14. Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul knew if we could just get a little bit of a revelation of how much Jesus loves us individually and corporately, then we would have that strength to be the church and to persevere and to invest and give our time and energy into this body that God has called us to. It is possible. We can give up our shallow notions of church as a building or a once a week event and become who we were called to be. We can be the church, the called out together ones who declare the glory of God. Paul has a confidence that it, that it can happen because he knows the power that is at work in us. When he says in verse 20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So as we start out our year, let's watch our language, but even more, let's guard our hearts. Let's refuse to buy into that tiny picture of church that Satan would love us to have. That idea of church as some consumerist package where we're just thinking about what we can get out of it. Or some kind of moralistic exclusive club. Or some kind of lifeless ritual. No, let's lift our vision let's get a god reality vision of the ecclesia let's pray together that we would be the church pray these prayers of paul over the church and let us invest together in the church and let us persevere together to be the church and let us invite christ to come and be enthroned in our midst you know, having said that, I know there may be people who have been deeply wounded by other people who have called themselves under the label of church, but who are not really living as the ecclesia. And I want to pray for you and 
Um, I don't want you to identify yourself, but I'm just going to pray and ask God to bring healing and bring restoration and that each of us would have grace for one another and we'd walk in that repentance and walk in humility and uh, have forgiveness for one another. But let us be the church. Let us pray, let us invest and let us persevere together. Let me just pray for you before I finish. Jesus, I want to thank you that you are here, that you walk with us. And Lord, you want to fill us, you want to be with us in that way that, that it says you are the full measure of Christ in us. God, we want to commit ourselves this year to being the ecclesia and having you in our midst in a more full, full and complete way. Lord, I pray for people who may have been hurt by that word church in the past. I pray, God, that you'd bring your grace. I pray, Father God, that um, you would fill us with your love, that we would get a sense of the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of the love of Christ and that that would change us and transform us into the church that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.